Hello, my name's Toby Haydock. They call this the podcast. My subject today is rather elderly, but definitely worth talking to. But I'm occasionally assisted in uh, our conversation by his carer, Craig, who facilitated the meetup. So my thanks to Craig, who will occasionally contribute to proceedings and is the third voice that you will hear. So, hello everybody. This has been a long time coming, this interview, because I've been desperate to talk to this gentleman. And by a, a weird saga of coincidence and gin, I finally managed to be allowed into his home. So I'm going to ask him to introduce himself and tell me why I'm talking to him about Doctor Who. My name is Geoffrey Bailden, and I'm known as, among other things, Wurzel Gummidge. I'm talking rot. Also, Cat Weasel. I was once asked if I'd like to have 52 years' work unstopped. And I said to my agent on the phone, would you repeat that? (laughs) And she said, what I said is true. 52 weeks. And I said, she said, remember, there is one mistake. It, it, uh, it's a, an old man. I said, and doing what? She said, well, I don't know. It's, it's sort, sort of um, a foreign language type thing. And I said, it's too old and for too long. Tell them. And she said, yes. Okay, I said... Give me ten minutes, because it's a big no. And she she said, all right, I'll give you ten minutes. And she did. And in ten minutes exactly, she said, ten minutes is up. I said, would you tell them I've considered it, their kind offer, but just tell them it's too long too late. I, I said, I can't do it. I'm too old. And that was Doctor Who? And yes, Geoffrey, and remember, it was you that was offered it first. But I know I'm a bit pain in the arse. Yeah, 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 quite. Good. Good. Oh, this is good. Because you were offered it, and then it went to William Hartnell. So you were the first one. Oh, yes, the, the very first. Mm. Yes, yes, you were the first I, one. I was mm. the very first thought. And... I said, I said, also, I'm not all that keen on um, present, uh, what's the word? Present Science fiction. fiction. I said, it doesn't really interest me very much. I said, I feel I'm waiting for something. Is that the biggest no of your career? Yes. <laughs> yes. And she said... You're very brave. Uh, well, so, 
And for someone that didn't want to play old, you did seem to play old for quite a lot of your, even, you know, in your the earliest part of your career. All my life I played them. All my life I played old men. It's very funny. I was very, very lucky. Be, be, lucky, lucky, lucky. Because I, what, I, what I got was something absolutely what I wanted. And we, we, we didn't know quite where we started. When, when we started, we didn't know quite where we started, with what. And it, it came <coughs> like that. In, in flaps, and it, it, you suddenly realise we hadn't got an unknown, we were creating it, and we love creating it. And, and it was a shock, every sh move was a, oh Christ, that's different, blah, 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 and this marvellous writer, superb writer, who died on us? He'd be, he'd been looking at the at the Normans, seeing what the Normans were dressed like, and that was very carefully gone into. And then he said, "And now, oh God, give me some scissors." in the mud. <laughs> this was Cat Weasel, of course. Richard this Carpenter. Is, yeah. Yeah, this is Richard Carpenter. Yeah. This is Cat Weasel, not Doctor Who. That's no, all right. We can talk oh, about Cat Weasel's good. Cat Weasel's good. No, I can chop, chop, chop. It's fine. Cat Weasel. So I've got all this because I've written it down for his book. So it's. And that's the. What do you think it was about that? Because I mean, kids of all kids know Cat Weasel, mm. don't yeah, they? they do. And it's something that's lasted. You must still get people asking you about Cat Weasel. Ask, it's it's tremendous, and it's all been wonderfully planned by the Cat Weasel Club. I mean, they've kept it. They've kept it on on the on the sizzle, mm. and they adore it. And would you say that was your favourite part that you did in, that you've done in your whole in your career so far? Yes. I've, I've said it. Yeah. Yes, I, I. I just think it was brilliant. I think that's fair. I think I think being an icon for a generation or two of children is pretty good going if you're an actor. Yes. <laughs> so when I'd like to know more about the beginning, though, Geoffrey, were, were you always going to act, and how did you, how did you get from from, you know, childhood into being being an actor, and what was it like, you know, back in the day? The the, the story that has to be told is one that I've got to say, you've just got to believe this, whatever you think. And it was, um, when I was four, they were going to have the end of term party at school. And something happened that I had to watch. On the last day of term, and on the last hour of term, the schoolmistress said, now, um, we're going to have a, 
You're going to have a, a glass of milk each, um, as usual, uh, which is that size. And she said, try and attend. Uh, what happens is all I want you to do is just enjoy yourself and hop. I want you to hop. And I, I then she said, on the word go, I want you to start hopping. And I went, me hopping. I was in love with it. Absolutely, deeply in love with hopping. And I looked across at my nurse who was watching and just to see if she was watching. She was. And I thought, Tremendous at hopping. And I fell in love with hopping. That isn't a joke. It's a deep, deep love that I would never to forget. And that hopping became acting eventually. Much, much, much later. But it was always linked with hopping. And was that because it was a physical thing or because it was something that wasn't to do with real life because you don't need I didn't to know I didn't know what the hell was so marvelous about it but I could do it I could do this wonderful thing you might think I'm out of my mind I don't but it wasn't out of my mind it was right in my mind and it was ready for expansion and so that was the seed that was planted. So how did you go about becoming a, a professional actor? May, may, mainly I polished. As an amateur, I became an amateur actor. Uh, very early on in my knees. And uh, I loved it. Uh, and I, I kept it. And was glad not to be going in the RF. But... That's exactly what I did do, and I joined the RAF and became an amateur actor, or an amateur producer, or a comic, or it was, it was, but it was singing and dancing and playing and straight, straightness, straight acting, and I, it, it was my life. I remember the, the, the um, arms. I remember of the RAF, but I'd be a, a member of acting as well as an amateur, and adored every second. Yeah. And what would if it hadn't worked out? What would you have done? What would you have done if you hadn't become an actor? 
What was my... What would you have done if you hadn't become an actor? Improvise. <laughs> <laughs> a Coleman yeah. or a Milton. Yes, yes. absolutely. <laughs> there was one... I made, I made a, a thing of not being efficient, which was very clever, I, although I said it. Um, and suddenly said, he said, they're off. Go on and improvise. And I found myself pushed from the assembly into the centre of the stage. And I, I was there and I just calmed down and on the stage, uh, attached to the cross arch, was a minute cage, a cage outside with an opening. And I just was there in the middle of the stage and just went very cool and walked across to the stage and, went and was about to walk off and they said, Boo! And I just turned around and said, Well, I bet you couldn't have done any better <laughs> to fill in a gap. <laughs> and they roared with laughter. They adored it. And they got to adore me. And, and my inefficiencies were the efficiencies. So, right, so yeah. you, were, you were professionally inefficient. Yes, <laughs> professionally inefficient. Can we talk about Alan? Because I know that the listeners will be interested in, in Alan. Oh, because Alan, yeah. Alan Rowe, who was in four Doctor Whos, as well as many other yes. things, he was in The Moon Base and uh, Time Warrior and a wonderful turn in Horror of Fang Rock, and he's in Full Circle. And I first noticed, I used to leave through Spotlight when I was younger, because yes. I liked actors. And I noticed that your Spotlight picture, the photographer credit, was Alan Rowe. And Alan Rowe's photographer credit on his Spotlight picture was Geoffrey Bailden. Yeah, so I thought, right. oh, they've taken each other's spotlight photographs. Um, <laughs> and and I've got a picture of the two of you in a, that's in Nicholas Courtney's autobiography that is you both, I think, in Anthony and Cleopatra in about 1948, 52, something like that. So you and Alan went back a long, long way. So where did you first meet Alan? Did you, was that working in rep or something? I, I met, first met Alan... Uh, at the BBC, and we were only there because it Sunday was the day when we sure to be free for for rehearsals. And uh, in his case, he saw me across the room and said, "I like him. I'd like to have him." And I was thinking, not quite as much. But he's good looking, but slight to pass it over. But I fell hook, line, and bloody zinc. And he was a wonderful man. And he was New Zealand with a perfect accent. And you'd expect a, a big accent. He had a wonderful English accent. Mm. And I, Absol absolutely uh, superb. Marvellous actor. Yes, he was. But you mentioned to me on the phone that he wasn't, he was quite a, res he wasn't, he was quite a reserved as an actor. He wasn't flamboyant about it, you said, or... Uh, uh, about... About acting. 
and about his approach to acting. No, he, he was ashamed. No, not ashamed. He didn't take easily to it. He, 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 he remained in awe of it. We have his books with his photographs in, and they're interesting. And it, it was it was quite aloof. Yes, he was. Wasn't he? Yes. When you complimented him. Oh no 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 no. Sorry, I know I keep interrupting. No, it's, this is good. It's fine. It's mm, yeah. something different. Yeah. Well, and he's one of he's one of the more prolific Doctor Who guests now. And he hate, hated being ordinary, and re and recognised in in a way. Uh, this is off-putting, but it shouldn't be. Uh, he just... He, he, he loved disguising. We've touched on the fact that you turned Doctor Who down, but do you remember being in Doctor Who with Tom Baker? In Tom Baker? With, with Tom Baker? Yeah. Yes, I do. And what, you mean the... monster? The, yes, the, the, cre the creature from the pit. I remember turning round... I remember turning round to, to see it, uh, which was a, a huge shock of a monster. <laughs> yes. And I got my back to the thing, and I, I knew it was now that I turned and see the mon monster. And I didn't have it. Well, that could go for a start. <laughs> That well, I thought, I thought that was very restrained of you, all things considered. Uh, but you share the screen with a monster that it looks slightly dubious, shall we say, and with Tom Baker, who is a huge screen presence. So do you remember, do you remember working with Tom? Oh, yes. And how was he? Oh, splendid. I mean, I mean yes, he was. Uh, I, I was very lucky. He, Tom Baker liked me. He didn't quite respect me in the way that he ha ought to do, uh, but he did later. You didn't think he respected you at first? Uh, no, that's one way of looking at it, yes. And uh, um, so I, we, we were all lying out just relaxing in the sun. Suddenly, uh, one, of the, one of the crows came over. Excuse me, she said. Uh, could you ask a question? No, uh, you're, you're talking about John Pertwee. Yes. You've gone on to Wurzel Gummidge. That's all right. We can talk. I can preface it by going, we're talking, yeah. We're so, you're talking so you're about, talking about John, Gummidge. You're talking about lovely John Pertwee now. Yes. yes. I, I, so I said, um, I'll, I'll ask my friend. And he said... No, Jeffrey, uh, can I tell the story? Yes. It was on the set of Wurzel Gummidge. Again, I've written it in his book. Mm -hmm. And the director had said, the wonderful James Hill. James Hill, Hill yeah had said, how should we go about this scene? And John Pertwee said, why don't you go and ask my friend? And John Pertwee wasn't that kind of a person. But to call him a friend, that means John oh, no, Pertwee no, no, really cared. It is, because you've told me, because I've got no, it. No, it isn't. I know, I, I know that bit. I, I just said, I, I said, the question was... I said, no, I had forgotten it. But I, I said, uh, if so-and-so, I, I, uh, I just said, I'll, I'll talk to my friend. Uh, uh, and, and he said, 
listen like that. And she said, well, that's it. I'm, I just lay, lay back and he, he said, by the way, you know, I'm very fond of you. That was what he said. Mm. And I, I said, yes, of course I did. <laughs> so that was a bit uh, of a revelation. Yes, exactly. And I thought the word friend had been used and it had never been used before. And that was, that was with John? That so, so was he somebody that then didn't let people close? Would you say then? Yes. But you got there. Yes. What? Good. Well, that was what I was trying to say. Yeah. Because I mean, in when did you speak to Inga? Um, was it yesterday or the day before? Wants to come and visit. Two or three or four days ago. Mm, yeah. Yes. So, who who were the finest directors that you worked for, and what what was good in a director? I would say. Jerome Godfrey. If you avoid his faults. And do you have a do you have a preference? Did you prefer theatre or television or film? Which because they're very different disciplines, and you've excelled in all. But which, if if you had to have chosen one, which would you have stuck with? The, the, the alternatives are theatre, film, and television. Theatre, film, and television. I think, I think all of them. Oh. <laughs> well, I've asked at different times, but, but you've yes. said to me over the years. I'm not answering his questions for him, but you've said in the past, theatre, because you've got the audience there. Yes. So you've got that live reaction yeah. rather than filming. Yeah. And do you, do you remember one film, because there's a film that's very dear to my heart, which is, because it's, and it's your fault, Geoffrey, that the, ti the, the Titanic sank. Yes. <laughs> it's your fault. You went to bed when the Titanic gave their SOS, and because of that, the Titanic sank. Yes. It's a great film, that. And there have been many, many, many Titanic films since, and none of them are as well, good. I'll tell you what. And, uh, no, not, and the, the, the one that was most complete was not the most complete. It was awful. Mm. Um, I've got the original film poster. It's a wonderful film. And the, and the, and the so, film. so when you watch films like that, can you, can, do you watch it and are the memories that come back, or is it like because it's so long ago... Do you watch things like that and not remember being there at all, even though you can see yourself oh, being no, in it? I, I remember. You also you worked for Rudolph Cartier on television. Yeah. Uh, do you remember working with Cartier? Watching. You working with Rudolph Cartier for the BBC. Yes, I did. And what sort of director was he? Terrible. Really? Well, well he was looked on as God. Mm. Uh, he wasn't God. <laughs> he... he, he Invited people uh, uh, with big names and uh, uh, I'm doing it badly, but nevertheless, yes, people with big names and uh, show, and he he was often t talking talking a kind of dribble. Ah, so what you think he surrounded himself by good people, and that reflected upon and him. Very often, the, all the wires were crossing. Right, <laughs> they had to be uncrossed, uncrossed Could, by his his woman assistant, uh, Paddy his, Russell. Paddy Russell, who was brilliant. So, who were your friends from the acting profession? Who were you? Who would you sort of socialise with? Who Who would you say were your were your chums from the acting profession? Oh, John Fraser. 
Well, that's going back a long time. Oh, John Fraser's written Fraser. a lovely autobiography. Oh, oh, close up, yes. He's a very I nice mean, writer. I mean, he, I mean, he was a, oh, he was a lovely actor. Gorgeous. Mm, oh, handsome. And very likeable. Ooh. <laughs> 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 but no, but I mean, but John Fraser, we, we still keep in touch with him, don't we? So you've been writing your memoirs, Geoffrey. How has it been? How, how do you find nostalgia and going back over the past? Do you look back with... Have you... Have, with affection? Oh, yes. And, and, and fear. What is your charity of choice that I can ask the listeners of this interview to, to uh, donate to? If they were to donate to a charity, what charity would you like them to donate to? Lifeboat. Lifeboats. Lifeboats, who yeah. said? The, the life... C certainly the lifeboat, like every, every, every other person. The lifeboat. I, I just, I think they are wonderful... Well, Geoffrey Bailden, Doctor Who is 50 this year. We met to talk about Doctor Who and everything else, but the Doctor Who fans know and love you. Well, you played the first Doctor on audio as well, many years later. So what is your message to the Doctor Who fans who are listening to this, this interview? I'd like to say I've loved their presence, just like someone I've never met, met before. Very important people that I admire beyond beyond telling. Well, Jeff, Jeffrey, I am so grateful that you let me into your home. I am so flattered you've taken part in my project. And I would like to say what a terrific honour it is to have met you and spent some time talking to you about your wonderful career. So can I just say thank you very much to you, Jeffrey Belden. Brilliant. Thank you. I hope that was okay for you. Oh, Wurzel, not again. <laughs> My thanks to Geoffrey and to Craig. Uh, Geoffrey's charity is the RNLI Lifeboats, which is www.rnli.org, and there's a donate button that you can press. Thanks for listening. The next Who's Round will be previewed after this little bit of blurb from me. And until the next time, take care. I don't know, I started as a child dancing at four, and then when I was eight the war started and I was entertaining the troops with my own little comedy turn. That, that, I mean, Nellie Wallace, does that na name yes. mean anything to you? Yes. I had a lesson with Nellie Wallace when I was eight in London. My mother took me to London how to deliver comedy. I loved comedy because that's what I prefer, actually. And uh, I entertained the troops. I was actually picked up from school when I was eight, taken in an army lorry as part of a concert party. Old mortality. Never heard of him. And what story are you engaged in at the moment? Old man! And who are you calling old, sir? The hours, these mountains. No one curses them. Indeed. Not just an excuse to live out your fantasies. Those that do pay with their lives. Oh, you want to fight, do you? Well, you can play at that game. I'm studying an event from the antiquity of the planet Earth. Honored members of the Supreme Council. Cardinals. Time Lords. Uh, 
You still wasting time with that primitive backwater? At least Earth has an ongoing history. I'll feed you to the dogs, eh? Bit by bit. No, just a minute. Die, old man. Everything stopped here centuries ago. It need not have done. I stand before you and offer myself to the highest and humblest duty. So many paths to choose. I pledge myself to the stewardship of time until death shall overtake me. So many possibilities. So many. What is this? We're outside the Panopticon of the Capitol. Whose investiture is this? The President of the Supreme Council of Time Lords. Who do you think? Don't push your luck, Doctor. Or when we get to Rome, Surus will use you as shot of a catapult. Who is writing this story anyway? You or me? Hmm?